Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Jimmy Butler says, I don't care that you're back, Giannis. I'm taking this series over. I'm taking this game over. I'm taking over the NBA playoffs. While Jimmy was doing that over in the East last night, the old man, the one we were told was washed up, the one that the young man for the Memphis Grizzlies says he wanted all the smoke from, Well, that didn't work out either. As the Lakers, the old man, is now one win away from eliminating the two seed in the West while the play-in tournament participant out of the East, who, by the way, didn't they lose their first game in the play-in tournament to Atlanta? (laughs) And now has responded. And the Miami Heat are one win away from knocking off the top seed in the East. Gotta love the playoffs. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond the third, better known as RP3. Of course, we're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. I'm joined inside said studios by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking Houston Astros baseball with Brett Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast. We're going to be talking all things McNeese, some activity involving the men's basketball program, adding another player, one from TCU. Also, where parts are, they're getting one of their stars, they're all conference players, to take his name out of the portal to come back. We'll also talk about the baseball team and softball team in the midst of conference races. And then we're going to talk Major League Baseball with our old friend Bob Nightingale of USA Today. So that's what we got lined up for you today. We're going to touch on a slew of topics. NFL draft, of course, is getting closer and closer as well. We'll talk about the Aaron Rodgers saga coming to an end, thankfully. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start off with the association. Jimmy Butler is an interesting guy because he's never considered to be a top 10 player in the league. Right? When you think of top 10 players in the association, 
rarely have you ever brought up Jimmy Butler's name. And he's been playing in the association for a long time. He is one heck of a player. He's definitely a guy in that category of he's got that dog in him. And it's morphed into something over the years of playoff Butler, right? Playoff Jimmy Butler. He's a different guy when the playoffs come. He played excellent for them when they reached the NBA Finals in the bubble. He sometimes rubs teammates the wrong way because he pushes them as much as he pushes himself. And uh, some of the younger guys are a little softer in that regard. But you never go Jimmy Butler, top 10 player in the league. He's always one of those guys that falls. Like he's a top 15 guy. People always say, well, you know, I love his game. I love what he brings to the table. But he's not a top 10 player in the league. Yet I always just see this guy deliver in the playoffs for the most part. Uh, His teammates get hurt. He's always the guy that can step up. And, And don't forget, Tyler Hero, not in this playoff series. Hand, done. They lost Victor Oladipo in the last game. He's going to be out for the rest of the postseason as well. And, by the way, if you haven't looked at Miami's roster, Pat Riley hasn't exactly put together a what I would deem a championship-caliber roster. There's some holes on that roster. Let's be honest. But he has the perfect coach for him. Spoltra and Jimmy's kind of an Eric guy. Jimmy's kind of what I would call a Pat Riley type of player. And last night, he just takes over. And I'm not saying we should have a different conversation about top 10 players in the league. But it does feel like we undervalue Jimmy Butler. And every time you kind of forget about Jimmy, he reminds you, oh, no, no, that's great that you don't think I'm this, but watch what I'm about to do. And the Bucs had Giannis last night back. Now, is he the Giannis that we expect? Is is he the Giannis that... We know and love last night. Look, this was a heck of a ball game. 119-114 victory for Miami. And they did have Giannis back. He gave him 28 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. So Giannis comes back, D'Lo. Good morning, by the way. And Giannis comes in and gives him a triple-double. Gives them a triple-double in his return from the contusion in the back. Didn't score a ton of points, but still 28. That's still pretty good. They get 30-plus points out of Brooke Lopez, who apparently has has found the fountain of youth in the last month or so. But no bench points, really, for Milwaukee. Not really a factor there. And Miami is out there starting Kevin Love off the trash heap. Who gave him six points. 
They're starting Vincent and Bam, who combined for 25 points. But it didn't matter. You know why? Because Jimmy Butler scored 56 points. And the Miami Heat are up three games to one on the top seed in the East. And Miami lost their first play-in tournament game to the Hawks and had to get into the play had to get into the playoffs the hard way by going through essentially the losers bracket. And here they are, and yes, the honest injury has played a huge role in this series. But here they are, one win away from eliminating what many believed was the best top flight contender for the NBA title. The team many thought and Vegas thought would hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy this year, the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, and and didn't I say when the Hawks beat the Heat, I said the bad news for this game is for Milwaukee. Correct. And it's not because Miami is a great team, but it's because they're a danger. They're just a team you wouldn't want to play in a seven-game series. They're a spunky team, if that makes any sense, right? And they have veterans. Like, they're not a team that's, that's happy to be there in their first go-round. You know what I mean? They get is. in there and they say, hey, we're here. Why would we not act like we have a chance to win this series? And they felt like they did. And, yeah, Giannis injury played into it. But, again, yeah, he came back. And Milwaukee, I, you know, the Jimmy Butler with 56, that's not supposed to be able to happen because you have Drew Holiday. You have one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. And that's not supposed to be able to happen. And, obviously, there's a lot of different things that combine for someone to score 56 points. It's not simply him going one-on-one with Drew Holiday all game. But... It just surprising. I mean, very surprising. And so, you know, it's it's the situation where when it is the one seed and they do have the best player in the world, maybe in Giannis, like you don't want to rule them out three one, but like Miami's just gotta steal one from here on out. Like you just gotta find a way to steal one. And that's the dangers of being down in a series like this. So it's gonna be very difficult. And, you know, it's uh, you don't want to look this far ahead because again, I'm I'm not very convinced they're gonna get out of the first round. But if Milwaukee does get out of the first round, you start to think about the fact that they will have to have played a seven game series. And it looks like look, it looks like the Knicks over there might get this done in five. Uh that's a possibility. So, you know, with all things considered, I, I it, very surprising that it that it played out the way it did, but yeah, Jimmy Butler had a uh, he had one of those moments last night that that you're going to remember forever, uh, and he certainly is. That's going to be that's going to be one of those legacy moments. You know, I mean, 56 points in a in a huge playoff game against a one seed that is uh, that's special stuff. So that was the first game up. Then came the Grizzlies Lakers, and we talked about it as much. We mentioned the fact that. With that Atlanta-Miami play-in tournament result, how that was going to negatively impact Milwaukee a few weeks back. We spent a lot of time on this program talking about the Lakers-Grizzlies series, right? And that how that was not the matchup you wanted if you were Memphis. Having to play LeBron James and Anthony Davis was not ideal. Memphis has not proven that they can do anything in the playoffs. They have a nice young core. But they talk a lot of trash. They want to embrace being the villain. But they haven't done anything. They haven't backed it up. They don't even have a deep playoff run. Forget getting to the NBA Finals. They ain't even got to the Western Conference Finals. And they talk trash. Oh, my God. They, they talk some trash. And Brooks went after LeBron, right? Right. Said he ain't scared of him. He's an old man. 
Well, <laughs> how's that working out for Memphis this morning? You know how it's working out for Memphis? It's not. 117-111 overtime win for the old man in the Los Angeles Lakers. They are now up in this series three games to one. On the two seed in the West, John Morant was kind of awful last night. Obviously, the injury is playing a role. Uh, He went 8 of 24 from the field. Only scored 19 points. Had 7 assists. He was 1 from 8 from 3-point range. Bain was even worse. He did give him 36 points, which was great. But he opted to shoot 12 3-pointers. Only made 3 of them. Gross. Just gross. The guy gave you 36 points and your response is gross? The three-point shooting was gross. And what world do you live in there, Mr. Two Degrees, that shooting three of 12 from three-point range is not gross? When you're, when you're given 36 and your superstars around BS. you aren't even BS. getting to 20, BS. no, I'll take You are responsible if you have the ball in your hand and you're going to jack up shots because you want to put the team on your back, you can't go out there and shoot three of 12 from three-point range. That is not acceptable. His two-point game was great. Don't You can shake your head all you want. If you want to make excuses and you're okay with people being mediocre, then you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan instead of a New Orleans Pelicans fan because that's why the Grizzlies are down three games to one. Well, But LeBron was one of seven, and he started this whole thing about the old man thing, how he showed who's boss last night. He was one of seven. Anthony Davis had the 12 points. So I, I didn't. I I, I, did, did I say show who's boss last night? Did, did, did I have I gotten to the three-point shooting for LeBron James yet? Did I? <laughs> You were kind of close. I, did I? Yeah, but it was No, close. I didn't. Was I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, young buck. Let the old man do his <laughs> exactly. thing. How that's, about that? That's what you said at the beginning about LeBron is what I'm saying. I didn't, I didn't say he was a boss. Did I say he was okay, a boss? No, no. See? See? Don't put words in the mouth. Three of 12 is not good. Three of 12 is not good. That's not good three-point shooting. You you have the two degrees. Do the math for me. Is that good? Is that a good percentage? Three point no, shooting. No, no, I'm just okay. saying it's there not as bad as you made it out. His night as a whole was not as bad as you made it out to be. I didn't try to make out his night. I was going to give him praise for the amount of total points that he was going. But you wanted to jump in and start shaking your head. Patience, whippersnapper. Anthony Davis was not good last night. Four of thirteen. That's not good. See, I'm critical of them as well, if you would have given me the, the time to do so. LeBron was 8 of 18 from the field. Not awesome. 1 of 7 from three-point range. Not great. But he did give them 20 rebounds. 22 and 20. Had 7 assists. And you look at the box score and you watch the games played and Memphis should be winning this series. You could argue that Memphis has more talent on their roster than the Lakers do. But the Lakers still have LeBron James who finds a way to impact a game when he's not having a great shooting night performance because he can get you 20 rebounds. 
The guy with the highest amount of rebounds on Memphis, 14. Makes a difference. So he makes a difference that way, had a seven assist, and they got nice contributions from other guys. Reeves and D'Angelo Russell had decent nights. 7 of 15 shooting, 7 of 16 shooting, 3 of 8 from three-point range, 2 of 5 from three-point range. No one can shoot three-pointers on a consistent basis in this series. Gross. But they gave you 17 and 23 points. They also got 12 points off the bench from Schroeder. And now they gut out a win, 117-111. to And the Lakers haven't played their best basketball, and they haven't looked pretty. So does this say more about the Lakers, which I was getting to my point here, or does this say more about Memphis not being able to handle being on this stage? I would I would lean on that side. Memphis, though, the weird thing is they've like completely abandoned the the idea that they were the deeper, better team. They don't play. I mean, Conchar played 21 minutes a game in the regular season. You're not playing in this series. Coach decision, which why? Like, like I, I don't I understand. You, I'm not as I'm not as locked into Memphis Grizzlies basketball, so I don't know if that was something that 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 happened down the stretch. But I mean, they're playing their starters all 40, 40 plus minutes last night. I mean, and, and the Lakers were supposed to be this thinned out team, but they're playing more guys off the bench than Memphis is. Well, and they are. But here's the crazy thing about that: they are kind of a thinned out team. And yet, they're getting more out of their thinned-out team than Memphis is. And Memphis, to their like, to be fair, they do have obviously a few big injuries that are playing a factor, and Stephen Adams and those guys that like that matters. That's, that matters, yes. But yeah, no, I just feel like they've they've trying to put this in a situation where they're just going to get and and like when those guys aren't playing well, which a lot of them didn't last night. Feels like maybe you should try and get something out of some other guys. I mean, you get seven minutes and nine minutes from Almada and Jones. Like the, the bench minutes and the bench points, just not a factor. They're both surprising results, right? We're both surprised that they're down three games to one. Memphis in the West, Milwaukee in the East. Who's in the most danger, in your opinion? Well, Memphis is in more danger because they're not as good as Milwaukee is in the first place. So I would say that. But I think they're both in a lot of trouble. Because like you say, you just have to, when you're up 3-1, you just have to steal one. You don't have to outplay a team in an entire you know stretch of basketball anymore you just have to be in the right position to win one more game it is always dangerous though when you're up that when you're up three to one sometimes we see it in the in the series extends a little bit longer and it maybe goes seven is sometimes you take your foot off the gas right because you're like hey we're up three games to one well you got to continue to be aggressive What does this do for, you know, look, Milwaukee already has their championship. So if they get bounced, that would be a huge disappointment, right? But this group, Dawson, of Giannis and, and the guys that they've put, put together around them, they were able to, to get a championship out of it. Memphis is still trying to grow, is still trying to prove itself. And you, you fought and scrapped all season to get the two seed and you're going to get bounced in the first round? Yeah. Now, Memphis is the younger team, so they have more time, so to speak, in this situation. Correct. You know, obviously, Milwaukee's, you know, I wouldn't say this is like an all-in year window closing year, but 
We're getting closer to this group, though, the window closing on it, but I don't think it's yeah, this year. Well, I'd imagine I'd imagine they're going to just kind of try to read. They're going to have to get some young talent in there um, eventually if you, yes. you want to still do it with Giannis. And, you know, of course, every year the there's going to be something made out to be about whether Giannis wants to leave or not, even though he's never given an indication that he does. And But at some point he might be ready to move on. But anyway, no, I think Memphis has more time. But, um, no, it's alarming that Memphis hasn't taken the next step. And, again, it's not like they got the best set of circumstances with the injuries and the Lakers draw in the first round, but at some point, if you think you're those guys, you got to show it, and they haven't done that yet. Get a shot. We'll see what happens with the Grizzlies and the Bucks, but phenomenal performance by Jimmy Butler last night, 56 points. The Lakers, despite not shooting the ball all that well, still found a way to take down the Memphis Grizzlies. And now they're up three games to one. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and Company coming up right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Uh, great NBA playoff action yesterday, but something else happened yesterday, Dawson, and it was truly a gift. And our long nightmare has finally come to an end. The Aaron Rodgers saga has been concluded. <laughs> it's finally over. It's finally over. The Jets... And the Green Bay Packers come to terms for the four-time league MVP. Saw an interesting stat, by the way. You're going to like this. He and Rex Grossman have the same amount of NFC championships. Just throwing it out there. That's one, by the way. (laughs) Him and Sexy Rexy have the same amount of yeah. NFC championships. So the deal gets done, and we knew the Jets were going to – what I'm surprised by. A, a lot of people are saying that the Jets got fleeced. The Jets believe that they're a good quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. They have spent a couple years building up a roster – adding nice young talent. They have good skill position guys. They have good guys on the defensive side of the football. They can run. Look, they have weapons. They've been a quarterback away in their opinion. So they get Aaron Rodgers, and they have to give up a second-round pick. And then they are going to have to give up more than likely what is a future first-round pick, right? Right now, it's a second-round pick, but based on how many games or how much percentage of plays Aaron Rodgers plays this year, it'll turn into a first-rounder next year. And they got to keep a first-round pick this year, Dawson. 
for the four-time MVP. I, I, I'm not buying that the Jets got fleeced here. Like, if they think they're a quarterback away, they're only going to have Rodgers for a couple of years, right? That's that's their mentality. They, they essentially swapped spots in the first round with Green Bay this year. They get Aaron Rodgers, and they get to keep a first-round pick this year. Yeah, they're going to have to give up their first next year. But if you if you add Aaron Rodgers and you're in the playoffs and you're a contender, then your first-round pick is essentially a glorified second-rounder anyway. It's For me, it's really simple. When a quarterback is being traded or a quarterback is being acquired, anything to do with quarterbacks. And it's not necessarily the right way to think about it, too, because there are long-term effects of the other positions. But if it works it will never have been too much to give up. And if Aaron Rodgers wins the Jets one championship, that will never have been enough to give too much to give up. They will be completely fine with it. Now, the Jets haven't played in a Super Bowl since Joe Willie Namath made the guarantee right. in Super Bowl 3. Now there's there's differences too like in situations, you know what I mean? And if and if even if let's say San Francisco went out and made a deal like this, it would be a little bit different in my opinion because of where San Francisco has been without the star quarterback. But the Jets feel like they have to make the move. And the cost to get him, again, is only as high and and, and the and the you know the, the value you get in return is is how he plays. So if he doesn't play well, then I guess sure you can say that you but but they had to get the deal done. And obviously it's taken this long, so something was holding up the deal, right? Something was going on. So you can't I don't know. It had to be the, the first rounders, probably. If they had, or well, maybe, and it was maybe some combination of Rodgers fully agreeing to be to be ready to move on because we don't know what his public comments, you know, mix with what he actually thought. But yeah, my point: if if it works out, it will never have been too much, and I think that's the important thing to remember. And the Jets, they they're going all in, and you know, look, is Aaron Rodgers the difference? Like that AFC is stacked. Dude. I mean, it's not going to be an easy road. It's not like that. They be, it, it, they don't even become the favorites today, right? They just no. become a factor. No, they be, because the AFC is stacked with quarterback talent. I mean, okay, you add Aaron Rodgers, and once again, the, the terms of the deal, the Packers move up two spots in the draft. They get pick thirteen. They get a second round pick this year, number forty two, a six round pick. And then a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. And the Jets get Aaron Rodgers and they still get the number 15 overall pick and a fifth round pick. I think and, this is a win-win for both yeah. sides. And we're like, oh, you're gonna get you're gonna give up another first round pick. If Rodgers gets the Jets in the playoffs, that we've talked about it all the time. You've brought this up all the time. Around from 22 to like 45. It's pretty much an even playing field now with the talent in the draft. Absolutely. Now that can backfire. See the New Orleans Saints, who gave Philly a top, ended mm-hmm. up being a top ten pick because fair. they thought they were going to contend. But that's the risk you're taking there. But the funny thing, yeah, and, and you know, and we might have to get to a break before we touch on it. But what is Rodgers now in in the a, in the AFC? What is he the fifth or sixth best quarterback? In all honesty, you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson, you think Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. Right. Yeah, and after Herbert is where I'd start having the conversation about putting Rodgers in there, right, but that's right. already four guys we named like without even really hesitating. It, it's So some of those great quarterbacks aren't going to make the playoffs this year. 
Like, think about that. It's just crazy that you've had this exodus from the NFC to the AFC for the quarterback talent. And by the way, that leaves the NFC wide open, wide open. It sets up perfectly for the Saints because now you look and you go, okay. You just look at it and you go, you may have one of the top four quarterbacks now in the NFC. <laughs> like, that's what it's set up for. By the way, what I found also interesting, a little tidbit, I know we're up against a break here. Brett Favre played for the Jets on his age 39 season in 2008 after 15-plus seasons with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, 39 years old, is repeating the same career script exactly 15 years later. And so that what that tells us is that the Vikings just have to hang on for one more year at Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and then he'll get Aaron Rodgers. is coming. And that also means that the Saints are going to be a contender again then. Right? Huh? I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. But that does lead us, now that it's official, and the Aaron Rodgers saga has thankfully came to an end. Who is the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? We know Jalen Hurts got the record deal. Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback helped lead him to the Super Bowl. So who's the best quarterback in the NFC now not named Jalen Hurts? Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Kirk Cousins? Is it Derek Carr or is it other? Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter, some people may say Geno Smith. I need more than one season. I just do. Sorry. I'm happy for Geno. I need to see more than one year. But I never thought I'd see the day where we'd have a conversation that the best quarterbacks in the NFC could be Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, or Derek Carr. Welcome to 2023. Go vote. Leave your comments. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 in the company, Oh, yeah. LSU spring football. Brian Kelly, he gives his thoughts on how the Tigers performed. We'll get to that for you next, right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Be interested to see how many teams in the country have not lost two games in a row this year. I know one, and I think you'd be hard to find another one. So, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the first uh, that we've lost last week, how do you kind of make sure that doesn't happen again this week? Um, you know, I would credit. <laughs> well, we're in a little better position on the mound than we were last week. Uh, no question about that. And that's a direct credit to Paul and to Ty and to Christian for getting deeper into the game. So that matters. I mean, um, so I feel much better about that. Um, and it comes at a time of the year where anytime you can get some guys a rest or only throw once in a week or lower their pitch count out of the bullpen, that helps. Um, so I think that's probably the most important part. Um, you know, we, like I alluded to earlier, treating every game like a playoff game, we actually have a team challenge going on with our midweeks right now. And so we're, we're actually like treating it like a regional. And so we're in an elimination. This is how we're looking at it. And um, 
we did not try to win the game last week or anything like that. We got beat by a team that played really good that emptied the tank against us. Their best reliever and their Friday starter, and they couldn't pitch their best reliever this weekend, and their Friday starter gave up eight runs, and they lost. So it's, it's uh, you know, I've been there, though. I've been that mid-major coach. When you're on the road and you're playing a top-five team, you go for it. And um, so, you know, I, I just think we're in a, a better position going into tomorrow than we were last week. Jay Johnson, LSU baseball skipper, throwing a little shade there towards the Cajuns. <laughs> now, would he have thrown shade if the Cajuns hadn't gone and, you know, gotten swept by the Dukes of JMU? Probably not. Yeah, and I just have to, like, I have to throw in there, and I understand why that, you know, everyone in LSU town is kind of throwing shade at the Cajuns, and I get it because they went and lost a bad series to James Madison, but, like, Cooper Rolls was not the Friday starter the whole season, and guess what? Coach Deggs said he's going to start Friday night, and he might pitch him against Southern tonight, so it's not like it was this whole LSU thing. He likes throwing Cooper in different situations, so it's not a situation where, like, a couple of years ago, if you had... Spencer Arigetti on Friday nights, and you threw him three innings in a midweek game, yeah, you could have said something. But, like, Rawls is a little bit different. And the Cajuns, the problem is, the Cajuns don't really have a Friday night starter. That's been the whole problem, right? So that's, I just wanted to clarify that. Like, it's just that <laughs> it's not what happened. But now, like, you know, and, and, and it's being run with, and I guess it's fair, because you go out and you get swept, so you're going to get criticized. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Now, for them, over the weekend, they got a sweep of Ole Miss. And look, Ole Miss is the defending national champs, but they're on the struggle bus. They may be the worst team in the SEC this year. I don't know how that happened, but oddly enough, Mississippi State, after winning the title the year before, is kind of cratered too. So, I don't know. It's like, you know, Mississippi schools win a national title and then they just disintegrate in front of your eyes. But don't forget, Ole Miss was also struggling most of last year, too. And then they put together a great run and then went all the way to the College World Series and won the whole thing. But it is important because it was the first sweep in conference play of the season for LSU, and Jay Johnson talked about how important that was. Well, I mean, they all count the same in terms of the immediate and the standings. Um, I mean, and, and I obviously don't look at the series thing as much, um, but the games – and, and all games have equal value. You know, with that being said, like, it's just one of the most consistent programs in college baseball. They're the national champion. They're in the Super Regional every year. Um, you know, beyond, you know, the, the worthy opponent. And, and so when you get these, it's, we're trying to have a great season, but we're trying to build a program, too, and, and, and work, back, work our way back to the top. And so, so yeah, they matter a lot in, in terms of all of those things. And, um, you know, we were positioned to win the SEC West last year, you know, with a depleted staff and, you know, first-year team and all that type of stuff, and, and they took that from us, you know, and got hot and won the, won the national title. So, yeah, it matters, it matters a lot in those regards. Lined up this week, it's Nichols tonight for LSU, and then they have a three-game set against Alabama there at Alex Box Stadium this weekend. And they may be without one of their best players. We know Tommy White came out of the game Sunday in Oxford. We didn't know why. 
Well, we got an official update from the LSU skipper himself yesterday about his star slugging third baseman. You know, I didn't talk to him this morning. He went to class. Um, you know, uh, it was just a little sore, kind of thinged up. Um, so it just felt like um, it wasn't in his best interest for him to continue playing yesterday. And, um, you know, the body language uh, throughout the game, he was in the dugout, uh, didn't seem like a guy that was super overly concerned, you know, with anything. But it was probably in his best interest, as hard as it is to take out the national RBI leader, you know, in the conference game, it was, it was probably what we needed to do. Um, but I'm optimistic that it's just like a day-to-day thing that we need to treat and stay on top of it. And Josh Walker, our trainer, did a great job. So um, I haven't t- spoken to Tommy today, but I did talk to Josh. And it's gonna work. Any updates on uh, Chase or... So here's the good thing. Look, the bad thing is one of your star players and a guy that's been an absolute monster and been an All-American this year for you is out, injured. And you're taking it day by day. That's a bad thing. The good thing, though, is you don't have to rush him back, right? You're the number one ranked team in the country. Alabama has played better, but you probably should still beat Alabama even without Tommy. And let him get his rest. Because, look, their goal is bigger than an SEC regular season championship. Their goal is bigger than the SEC tournament. Their goal is to get to Omaha. So if you shut down your more than likely All-American third baseman who is an RBI machine, and you shut him down for a week, to get back healthy, then that's what you do. Yeah, I would also say, like, in, you know, not trying to read in between it too much, but also listening to some of the other comments that were made or just like the framework around it, it, it didn't, like, it sounded like if this was like regional time that Tommy would have played through it. Exactly. So I, I think it's, it's pretty good news there. I think you probably feel pretty good there. If, say, the weekend series was against top 10 ranked Tennessee, he probably would play this coming weekend. Probably as well but Alabama comes to town and as as they've played improved baseball but they're not on that level so once again and you also got to think big picture right as you're saying if this was a regional he'd probably play a midweek game against Nichols and a series against an unranked Alabama team this weekend eh, not necessarily something you have to worry about we gotta take a timeout We'll get to the LSU spring football next hour. We'll set that up for you next hour. When we come back, Cajuns baseball, Matt Deggs, he spoke to the media yesterday. We'll share that with you next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
thought it was a great night Tuesday, though. And as equally great a night as it was for everybody Tuesday, it was probably uh, as tough uh, a, a way to lose on Friday. Uh, I would like to say that it's easy to bounce back after something like that, but it's most certainly not. And it, it, to bounce back after something like that would require an unbelievably great pitching effort. And that park, that team's put up offensive numbers all year, even in their losses. And that park is very conducive to hitting. And that's where my disappointment was. I thought we would go in and, and outslug them and uh, just never could get on track. I think we were outscored 32 to 14. We stranded 31 runners. Just didn't play good baseball. Now, in fairness to them, I will say this, and I told Kevin this this morning, every time we did execute something, a pitch, it found a hole for them. And uh, every time that we did have good at bats, not every time, but I bet there was 20 times that we caught a ball right on the nose, it was caught. And that's baseball. And then they capitalized by riding momentum and we didn't do anything to stop it. Uh, and that's how things get out of hand. Raging Cajun skipper Matt Deggs on his team beating the number one ranked team in the country last week, LSU at LSU, and then going and getting swept by a team whose RPI was in the hundreds. It was an ugly weekend. And Dawson mentioned it earlier this hour that, look, this is a team that really doesn't have a Friday night starter. This is a team that's been searching for one, and the rotation has been off, and it's been missing. And Matt Deggs told everyone yesterday that moving forward, it's going to be pitching by committee for the rest of the season. No, I'll work to fix it. Me and Ted will work to fix it. And uh, so right now for the foreseeable future, I'm probably going to pitch by committee every game. And I don't care if that game's against LSU, Coastal, to go to Omaha. I don't care right now. Uh, it could be against Southern. We're, we'll pitch a certain amount of guys in order, and I'll stick to it. I think that'll give us uh, a chance right now to get through some of the struggles that we are having. And I'll be able to pitch some of our better guys on multiple days. They have two midweek games this week against the Southern Jaguars tonight, 6 o'clock at the Teague, and then tomorrow night against Northwestern State, 6 o'clock as well. And I actually think this is a good thing. Dawson agrees with me that they have a couple of midweek games to kind of try to get back on track. And Matt Deggs echoed that sentiment as well about just feeling good to get back on the field. Yeah, I mean, and I'll say it again, I wish we had five-game week every week. And that's the beauty of baseball. Uh, especially at the next level is it's every day. You know, you may get swept. Uh, you know, the Astros will be swept this year if they haven't been swept already. They'll probably be in the World Series. Uh, but they're going to have a game the next day. If not, they'll have one day off and they're going to have a game the next day. And that's the beauty of baseball, and that's why I could never coach football because I would be the absolute worst loser ever. Matt Dix. Team gets to try to get back on track against Southern tonight, Northwestern State tomorrow night. And then, oh, by the way, top 10 ranked Coastal Carolina comes to town for a three-game set this weekend at the Teague. So we'll see if the Cajuns can turn things around. By the way, even with the LSU win, they've lost six of their last eight. They've lost back-to-back Sunbelt Conference Series as well. And need to turn a corner. Need to get things right sooner than later. Hour one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Yeah. Yeah, 
everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Hour number one, Dawson and I, well, we tackled all the topics. NBA playoffs. Grizzlies are now down three games to one to the old man, LeBron James. Jimmy Butler goes off for 56 for the Miami Heat as they have the Milwaukee Bucks, the favorite to win the title this year on the brink of elimination. We talked Aaron Rodgers' saga finally being resolved as he gets traded to the New York Jets. And then we talked LSU baseball and Raging Cajuns baseball. We're going to kick off hour number two talking a little more baseball as we bring on our guy, Brett Chancey from the Locked On Astros podcast. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Well, you know, I'm doing good. Um, Despite the loss of the Rays last night, we still are reveling in sweeping the Atlanta Braves. I think RP3 seems to like the Braves. Is that correct? You're right, and I'm glad you're <laughs> celebrating that April victory. I prefer October victories over the Houston Astros for my Braves, by the way. You know what? That is that is something that I cannot top. That is correct. There um, it is. You know, <laughs> but, you know, hey. I know my place when I know it. We're 12 and 11. We knew coming into Tampa this was going to be a tough series. Look, they did something that no team's done in like 100-plus years, win 14 games in a row at home. They're 20 and 3, man. It's ridiculous, the start to their season. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it is. And they are are firing on all cylinders. And when Rikidi is not pitching well, um, that's that's not a that's not a recipe for success. And then when Jordan leaves town before the series starts, uh. you're like okay, well, you know, probably going to be a tough game. They started out hot, they came out swinging, but the Rays took the lead in the third inning and never looked back. They never looked back. And look, it, it, Tampa's been magnificent at home. You know, a uh, modern record, fourteenth straight win at home to start the season. You knew it was going to be tough. And look, the whole week, you take two or three from Toronto, who's one of the best teams in the American League. You go on the road, you sweep the uh, Braves, as my Braves decided the bullpen was like, hey, you know what would be awesome? Giving up a dozen hits and a dozen runs in three games and blowing two games. Um, So you're welcome. They gifted you a couple of games there. You're you're welcome. You should send them a thank you letter, uh, in particular the bullpen. But look, Tampa's the best team in baseball right now. And th- this is a tough stretch. And look, Urquidy, he throws what he throws, right? He's not afraid. And if he's a little off, if the velocity is a little off or the location is a little off, that's when he gets into trouble. And that's what we saw last night, right? Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, when you go back and look at the at-bats where MLB, like on my MLB app, you can follow game day and see where each pitch is located. And I think every pitch early on that they hit was right down the middle. Now, they did stop the Rays from hitting a home run. There we go. But, you know, there's a positive. Always positive, always throws, right? But 
when you have a team that's hitting baseballs four or five inches off the plate and scoring two runs on a single, you have Wander Franco absolutely having a day at the plate going four for five. I mean, Diaz, Franco, and Rosarena combined for eight of their 14 hits. That's tough to beat. And, you know, the Astros pitching staff has been the one thing that's been inconsistent. You hope that going into today's game, that Luis Garcia, whatever he found last game, that he still has that this game against the Rays and shuts them down where the Astros, if the Astros can put up four or five runs tonight and hold the Rays, I think they can create a split to where you have a possible series win in game three. But the order is tall sitting in front of us before we return home. Tampa Bay did hold the record dating back to 1901 with the 2009 Los Angeles Dodgers for most consecutive wins to start off a season at home. Uh, the longest streak in Major League Baseball history, of course, Brett, you know this right off the top of your head, was was uh, 21 in a row set by the 1880 Chicago White Stockings. We remember it like it was yesterday. Um, by the way, Chris, shout out to the Elias Sports Bureau for finding out this type of information. It's, it's the ultimate sports history nerd place. Let's talk a little bit about this team uh, uh, more. I want to talk about Alvarez because... We know the big fella opted not to get surgery in the offseason. He just rehabbed to, to get back healthy. And he has been an absolute monster tear, right? Led the Major League Baseball, uh, led uh, led the show in RBIs for a while. Him and Tucker, really, and Dubon have kind of carried the team. But he, he leaves home. Like, he doesn't even stay on the road trip. He goes back home to Houston. How concerned are you? Well, from what Dana Brown said, the only thing we have to go off is what they're telling us. And what they're telling us is they're not too concerned. They said he should be ready once the um, Phillies come into town, that he had been dealing with a sore neck the um, a few days prior. And I was like, wait, he did that in Atlanta with a sore neck? I'm like, can, we, can he just keep playing? <laughs> can we just play through the soreness? I mean, with all joking aside, they're indicating that it's not serious. It could be... It could be a myriad of things. It could be traveling. It could be, you know, hotel, different bed every night kind of thing. Um, I know Presley dealt with something like that that was caused from getting a bad night's sleep. He had a stiff neck last year late in the season. So something like this isn't related to his hand, isn't related to a knee. So I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for concern. Now, if we get to Friday and he's not in the lineup and he's still hurting, and the Astros are being coy about it, then I think it's time to worry because, you know, this team absolutely needs a guy with six home runs, 27 RBIs with a 900 OPS right now. They need him out there on the field because he is absolutely producing, whether he's DH or left field, and he is a big part. Him and Tucker have been setting the tone, especially with the RBIs. We're talking with Brett Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Dubon has been a huge surprise, right? I, I We expected him to fill in and be, hey, he's just going to keep the seat warm for Jose Altuve, but he has exceeded all expectations. And once McCormick got hurt, they moved him into the leadoff role, and he's done a nice job. And he got a hit last night and scored a run as well, and he's batting 325. 
When Altuve comes back, obviously it's his job. But what do you do with Dubon? Because he's been such a good player for you while everyone else has been injured. What kind of role can he have with this team moving forward once they're healthy? You know, that is a good question. He he, he can't play center field. And um, let's say Myers somewhat regulates from where he's kind of taken off. He added a leg kick into his swing in his approach at the plate, which has helped him be more successful. Still does not look great out in center field. Um, McCormick hasn't come back yet from the sore back. So if they're kind of indifferent, I would say, center field, you could get Dubon um, playing time in center field. You could put him there in center. You could put him um, all over the infield when you want to give guys a day of rest. And so they definitely need to find a place for him, whether it's DH, whether it's center field, whether it's second base. If, if Altuve comes back and they're like, look, every fourth game we want him to rest, okay. put Dubon at second. You've got to you got to find a way to get him on the field. He doesn't take over second, but he could be a center fielder. And you know he's got a decent arm out there, and um, he's got he's got good range on the ball. So um, I say make a spot for him. So you think once everyone gets healthy, that Dubon's going to become that utility player for Dusty, where he's going to bring him in as a pinch hitter. He he's going to bring him into maybe give Pena a day off or Altuve a day off or Bregman a day off or even put him in the outfield. He'll be that number one guy, kind of utility guy for the team. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you're swinging a bat the way he's swinging it. You know, he, he had another strikeout last night, which is, I think, his fourth or fifth strikeout or something of the whole season. So he just gets on base, and um, he's seeing the ball well. You've got you've to gotta keep him. You've got to reward him for what he's given you. And – you don't know what left field is going to provide when Brantley comes back. Um, you don't know how often they're going to play him in left field, so he could definitely give some time there as they platoon Brantley and Alvarez. But he is your ultimate utility guy at the moment, and there's no reason to slow his production by sitting him more games than not. You feel like Bregman's turned a corner? You know, he's, he's hitting better. Um, he got two extra base hits yesterday. That's a, that's a good sign. Um, I would like to think so. You know, he's, he's back up to about 247, 250, and you would like to see him about 265, between 265 and 280. Um, his on base percentage is, is really good. I mean, the last seven games, 10 hits, a home run, um, only two strikeouts, five walks, 370 with a 469. Um, on base percentage and a 593 slugging percentage, it seems like we're seeing the Alex Bregman that we know um, and that we know he can be the the runner up to the MVP when Mike Trout won it. And I just think that Bregman just has to continue to grind, continue to work on his swing. He's everything we we want at third base, but I think there's a lot more to be desired at the plate. But we're seeing flashes of what Bregman can be and I I think he's going to continue an upward trend you know the Astros bullpen was magnificent in the sweep at Atlanta just spotless and I know last night's game was out of hand because of Arkady pitching so poorly in two and two thirds 
And Martinez came in and kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit. But then on the back end, Stanek and Blanco, they both gave up runs as well and gave up a total of six hits and three innings of work. I, I know it's against Tampa, who's the best team in the big leagues right now. And it was a game that was already out of reach. Are you keeping an eye on the bullpen and kind of hoping that what happened in Atlanta just wasn't an outlier? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I really think that the probability of of, of that being what this bullpen really is and can be, um, that, that that is the team that we will see, I think, in the long run. You know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, Blanca, despite the one run, did have three strikeouts. Um, Blanca's had you know, super hot to the season, super hot start to the season, kind of slowed down a little bit, and he's kind of regulated. Stanek is who he is. Stanek is a flamethrower. He throws really hard with not a lot of movement, so you're going to be susceptible to giving up runs, giving up hits. But you need guys like Martinez to come in, and you could tell around the 40th pitch that he was getting tired. His arm started dropping, um, and you can tell when a guy starts moving the ball outside of the zone that especially when he's going into his 30 to 50 pitches, that the stamina is just not there. And so they've got to build some of these guys up. And this bullpen may not ever be as stellar from beginning to end like they were in 2022, but they can get there. And even if they can get to three-quarters of what they were last year, it's still better than most ball clubs that they'll face. Wrap it up with this. What's the expectations for the rest of this series against the Rays? Is it just not to be swept? I think you just take it one game at a time. Um, You've got to hope that Luis Garcia goes out and deals like he did last game. If he does, then the Astros, I think, can win this game. Um, Hunter Brown goes out, and um, I don't even know if they've announced a starter for the game three against the Rays. But, um, oh, sorry. You just just have to go out there, and you have to um, take it one game at a time. It's a winnable series, but it's a tough battle. If you get one out of three, that's better than none. So I would like a two out of three series win, but after yesterday's results, I don't know that that's possible. So go out there, get today's game, put it behind you and go out Wednesday and try to fight for a series for a third series win in a row. Brett, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the week. Keep up the tremendous work with locked on Astros. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday morning, bud. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Go Strohs. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and Company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
poll question of the day. Now that Aaron Rodgers is out of the NFC and he's going to go play for the New York Jets because all the great quarterbacks are now in the AFC. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? Obviously, he's probably the top dog, led the Eagles to the Super Bowl this past year, got the big contract. So who's the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? Is it Dak Prescott? Louisiana native, Dallas Cowboy, Pro Bowler. Is it Kirk Cousins? My man Kirk loves to stuff the stat sheet. He is the ultimate. You know who Kirk Cousins is? He's 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 the new Tony Romo. You have him on your fantasy football team. He's going to put up monster numbers. It's going to get you like 30 points. And his team's going to lose, you know, 21 to 17 in real life. I could go with that. Now, they'll win on some regular season games, too. That's the other thing. And that, that kind of works with the Romo comparison. Right. Certainly won some regular season games. But, um, yeah, last year's Minnesota team, unbelievable that that team won the, the number of games I they guess. did. How? 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 You know how? Because they have Justin Jefferson. Well, and just the but the one score game luck. You know, I I don't I I mess with foot about the Piper. I don't believe, but like the one score game luck. You want to talk about regression to the mean? You you can't win one score games like that forever. No, you can't. Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Kirk Cousins? Is it Derek Carr? The who's made the switch from the AFC to the NFC as he signed with the New Orleans Saints, or is it other? Right now, not surprised. 50% of you say Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFC, not named Jalen Hurts. There's no bias associated with those results. Ah, none. None whatsoever. 15% say Dak Prescott. 12% say Kirk Cousins. 23% of you say other. Let's get to some comments here. Yeah. Ralph says, the homer in me wants to say Carr, but I'm still not convinced that Carmichael can be an OC without Sean there. Other since I feel Stafford, Murray, even Goff could have big years if the dominoes fall into place. I, I want to address that right, right off well, the bat. You want to go first? Stafford barely played last year. And Stafford is an old man. And he barely played last year. Yeah, I, and I get it. what weapons does he have to throw to? Have you looked at the Rams roster? He's got one. It's not, it. it's not very good. It's not a good roster, so I, I would be expecting Stafford to have another kind of mediocre year. I'm not sold on Kyler Murray. Can he put the video games down enough to be able to be a franchise quarterback? I don't know. He's got talent. They built a statue of him at Oklahoma. For what? He didn't even win a national title. They're building statues for guys who don't even win titles? Sorry, LSU. You do the same thing. Yeah, I said it. Jared Goff. Goff was going to be my my like throw in like as another. I I mean I don't I don't think he's the answer here, but the year he had with Detroit and kind of the momentum that they have, you could see him having a big year. He's really kind of turned around his career. He looked like a journeyman quarterback, and he has found it in Detroit, and they have a legitimate chance of winning that division next year. Now is he Kirk Cousins as well? Is he in that category of guy that's good but is never going to get you over the hump? I don't know, but I guess we'll we'll have a good chance to find out in the next year or so. We will. We will. Uh, and, and so he's still fairly young as well. Ton on Twitter says Matthew Stafford just because A, Dak isn't even the best on his team. Stop. B, Kirk is garbage time quarterback. C, Carr is a question mark this season. D is chaos. Salty Steve, always good for, well, a salty comment. Who is the best of the worst bunch of quarterbacks in the NFC? It is like asking how, do you, how would you care to die and at night in your sleep is not an option. 
A, run over by a train. B, falling off a cliff into rock. C, terminal illness. Do better. Two degrees. Oh! I'm the one that came yeah, up with the poll question, by the way. I, I did. The only override <laughs> I put is I refused to put Brock Purdy as an answer choice. I just couldn't do it. I had to put other I instead. I couldn't do it either. Jay, salty Steve, just so salty. Ralph even commented on his question, D, choking on a box of salt. It's like, dang, man. The Notorious Dub says, I'll take Brock Purdy for $934,000, please. I'll pull Loomis and worry about his incoming contract demands next year. Yeah, well, Brock Purdy doesn't have a UCL right now in his elbow. so Correct. I which like I get it, but also. In, in his throwing arm as well? Yeah. Look, Brock Purdy did very well in a situation that is tailor-made for multiple quarterbacks to succeed in. And he did well. So I'm not taking anything away from the young man, Mr. Irrelevant. That said, I don't even believe San Francisco believes that he's their franchise quarterback. Maybe. I I, 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 I can't figure out San Francisco. They spent all those picks to get Trey Lance. You would think they're going to give him the keys to the team this year. Maybe. There's no Jimmy G there as, as, as a backup. But... Brock Purdy, yeah, you got him on the cheap. But as Dawson pointed out, he doesn't have a UCL. He's not maybe even going to be ready for the season. He might have a UCL. I don't know if he has a, a an active working one, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't may. know the full uh, extent of the medical <laughs> yes. Yes. diagnosis there. So you, you guys are going with, with Stafford, who missed most of last season with an injury. And they have absolutely, they have one weapon for him. That's it. And that offensive line is a problem, guys. Did you watch the Rams play football last year? It wasn't pretty. We're going with Stafford? And we're going with Brock Purdy here? No, I like the other three guys better than Brock Purdy. And I like the other three guys better than Matthew Stafford. Because I got to see if Stafford can return to the form that he displayed during the Super Bowl year where he led the league in turnovers i'll also i'll also throw this into the conversation and just, like i don't just, mean just to, to be a hater there. here but um like i do believe in jalen hurts and i do think the contract was warranted and all that but like he still falls into a guy for me that doesn't have a big enough sample size to where i just don't don't think about it like i don't think like i still think about the idea that hurts regresses back to the mean a little bit this year i do think about that i'm not saying i think like that's what i would predict but I do still think about that because, again, the sample size, like it, now it was so great. So we kind of like tend to okay. think away. But like we do only have really one year of him playing at an elite level. Do you trust him more than you do Dak and Kirk? Yes. Yes. But okay. that's, again, that's kind of showing you where the NFC it, is. Where the NFC is, right? Because we're looking, we're talking about guys that are second tier, third tier quarterbacks here in the grand scheme of things. No one thinks of any of those guys as elite guys. Now, Hertz had a great year where he was MVP runner up, right? So, well, let let's see if he can carry that over to next year, right? Let's see if they uh avoid the Super Bowl hangover that usually happens to the team that loses the Super Bowl. But yeah, the NFC's wide open, man. And we talked about how many guys we would name in the AFC before Rodgers. What about how many guys in the AFC we'd name before Hertz, right? And I think all those guys in the AFC have more than one year of sample size. You, you talk about immediately, you go Mahomes, Allen, 
Burrow, Herbert. Like those four guys I'd put in front of Jalen Hurts, and they all have more than one year to show me. So like that I would put Lamar thing. in front of him too. That's yeah, that's another factor as well. Like and and Lamar for me is a little bit I, I have the injury concerns more than the mm-hmm. and you know, the lack of I think there's been a little bit more inconsistency there, but I wouldn't be a yeah, I would if you told me right now though, will you take Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson straight up, money's the same, everything's the same, I'd probably take Hurts though. So that is where I would kind of maybe change my mind there. And you would put Rodgers in front of Hurts? Yes or no? Um, I don't know. I think that the, no, I'd probably take Hurts. Okay. I just I didn't cuz again, last year I I put more weight on what happened recently. I don't only weigh what so, happened recently. So, but to for the exercise purposes. So we mentioned Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and Herbert, Herbert and, Lamar, Rodgers, and Jalen Hurts, right? You take all seven of those guys before you take Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, or Derek Carr. Probably so. There you now go. the only the only caveat there is like if you gave me the classic like, well, it's to build for the future. Well, then yeah, I would I would. Well, I'm, take I'm, the I'm other just talking guys. about right now. Yeah, if it's one year, like you got to win a title this year or you're fired type of thing, I'd probably take Rodgers over any of the NFC guys. Yes, there we go. Keep those votes coming. Saltiness on the poll question already today. Saltiness. So salty. Steve has been very kind of low-key for weeks now. I was expecting an extra salty comment, and he 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 came up. But it wasn't it wasn't two degrees that came up with the poll question. It was I. So I deserve all the salt, Steve. I. I. Not not D We gotta take a timeout. When we come back, LSU Spring Football, Brian Kelly. What did he have to say about where the Tigers are heading into the season? Lots of high expectations. Some people are talking SEC championship, maybe even college football playoff. We'll talk about that and hear from Brian Kelly next, right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, it was uh, what we had hoped it to be in a sense that... um, you know, as you saw, we we tried to do some situational work uh, and uh, some special teams that uh, allowed us to shorten the format a little bit. You know, because we, as you know, uh, we're we're thin on the offensive line, and and um, I told that second group in particular, um, you know, Woodward and and. Uh, and Bush that, that moved over from defense to offense that we wouldn't have been able to have the kind of spring unless they, you know, stepped in and, and moved their positions. And, and they got better for us. So uh, it, it made for a really good uh, spring opportunity for us today because they were, you know, they were competitive and it allowed us to get a lot of guys some work in, in a, a game-like format. So pleased with the the outcome um first and foremost we we got out of it clean uh, no injuries which is always important uh, as 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 you look at uh, the overall uh impact of a game like this and then and then we 
we had some guys step up and make plays. Um, you know, obviously the the very first offensive possession with with Lacy um, being very dynamic with the football in his hands adds to you know a mix of receivers that um, you know can be obviously very good for us uh, in the SEC. Um, I thought uh, the quarterback was uh, and Daniels was very efficient. Um, you know, played very well. Um, I thought Garrett Nussmeyer equally uh, as efficient. Coach Brian Kelly there for the LSU Tigers. Talking afterwards of the spring game that was held on Saturday. I do wonder, you know, look, spring football is always one of those things. People come out for it, right? There was a crowd there. I don't believe there was as big of a crowd as it was at Evangeline Downs over the weekend for the Camel Zebra races. Traffic was backed up, by the way, all the way on I-49. People were parking at the Walmart in Opelousas and walking to the track. My in-laws took our daughter, Hattie, to go see the camel races. They left because there were so many people, you couldn't see the races. Like, you couldn't see the jockeys on the camels. There was that many people there that they just simply left because you couldn't see anything. It was insanity. I don't believe it had that type of energy inside Tiger Stadium for the spring football game, but still, here we are. Kyron Lacey had a couple sensational catches in the spring football game. A lot of people are talking about it. And he could be a difference maker for them. Kayshawn Butte or however you want to say his last name because I get confused because it gets changed every few months. He's gone trying to get to the NFL. So Kyron has an opportunity here to be that other guy, that number three option for this team. Malik Neighbors is the number one wide receiver, the former Como High, Southside High star. So Kyron has an opportunity, but the problem for Kyron last year was what? Drops. Now he had the drop set with the Raging Cajuns, and he transferred, left after Billy Napier left, wanted to go play in the SEC, and he had the dropsies last year too. Just general consistency too has been his issue, and we've heard that from we heard that from Coach Napier, and now we've heard it from Coach Kelly. Like sometimes he doesn't show up as the best version of himself every day. He is athletically a beast. You watch him in practice, you see him. He can make all the plays. It's the consistency that you're wanting to see from him, and if he can turn on that switch finally. In his career, he could make it to the next level. He's got the skill set to play in the NFL. He just has to get it together and be more consistent. And Brian Kelly talked about the former Raging Cajun wide receiver and the other young weapons they have on offense. Yeah, so so Kyron really, the work that he's been doing is is much more about um, you know consistent approach in practice, and you know I think we're starting to see how that's translating to performance. You know, he was, um, you know, I think at times um, trying to find himself relative to where he fit. And I think he's comfortable in, in where he is in our rotation now. And, and his practice um, uh, work ethic has been consistent. And we can see it in terms of the way he's playing. If he can turn it on, LSU is going to be a top 15, maybe even a top 10 ranked team to start the season. 
They're going to have every opportunity in front of them to compete for the SEC West again, to win an SEC championship, and possibly be a college football playoff team. If Lacey can be a big factor in that, he's going to get drafted. He's going to have a chance to play at the next level. But we've seen this from Kyron before. Not trying to be negative, but we've seen him look great in scrimmages. We've seen him look great at practice. It's great that he looked great in a spring game, Dawson. I need to see him be consistently great every Saturday. Yeah, we've seen him look great in games, too. Correct. It's just not every game. He'll have a moment in a game, yeah. and you're like, wow, look at that catch. And then they'll go to him again two drives later, and he'll have a drop, just a and, simple little crossing route. You know, like, I, again, sometimes I listen to these press conferences maybe a little bit different than the average person, but, like, a lot of times coaches say things for specific reasons. And I think when you hear Coach Napier say, you know, that was years ago now, but I'm still remembering those press conferences and now Coach Kelly talking about it. I think Kyron's maybe the type of guy that, that coaches want to challenge with their comments. Like they're saying yes. that for a reason. And and the reason he's saying he has consistency issues is because he thinks that might – and some players might have consistency issues, but the pl- coaches don't think that they have to say that in a press conference to challenge him. There's different ways. But I think Kyron's specifically a guy that, that has to be challenged – and Coach Kelly is, is is basically telling him, look, if you want to be a star this year, it's right there for you, but go take it. And, and that's what we're waiting to see from him. You know, I know what it's like to be challenged. Gearing up for the 5K on Saturday, taking part in the Festival 5K. My trainer, my coach, she challenges me every day. Of course, I'm talking about my eight-year-old daughter. And I don't know if she has a press conference schedule for later in the week or not, but I'd imagine <laughs> she would make some comments that really were designed to kind of get you motivated. We went for the other day. So we did a little walk the other day. And just like a uh, walk jog. But it was like 2.3 miles or something like that. So I keep I keep track it on my phone and everything like that. And she's like, come on, Dad. <laughs> and I'm like, she goes, all right, we're going to jog the whole way down. And then she, you know, I'm like, baby girl, I, I am not going to be able to do that. My goal is just to finish the 5K. And she's like, come on, Dad. And then she gets done. She goes, you're not as fast as me. You're not as quick as me. But I'm going to get you there, Dad. I'm like, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. My coach. My life coach is my 8-year-old. 8 going on 38. Kid's so smart. What about the other skill position guys? What about running back? Because running back is something that intrigues me about the Tigers. And, you know, Noah Kane's in the mix and other running backs are in the mix. Obviously, Holly coming in from Union Parish. He's going to be in the mix. They're really high on him. But what about John Emery? Because this guy, so much hype about him. He was supposed to be the, the second coming of, you know, the next great LSU running back. And it just hasn't worked out, mainly because of grades and not being able to get on the field. And Brian Kelly was asked, can John Emery make it back on this team? We have not ruled out John Emery um, for returning. I think I've made it pretty clear that, that John has a, um, a path back, but it's one that is um, really dictated by what he does academically. Um, so... Look, we, we have not made any um, misleading statements. We love him, but we're putting academics first and foremost, and uh, he's got to take care of that first. Do you have any idea how poorly your academics have to be to not qualify to play football in the SEC? 
Do you have any idea? Like, this isn't the Ivy League. Okay? Your basic requirements to be able to be eligible to play football in the SEC is basically the same at a JUCO college. Right? It's not, it's not immense. This isn't Notre Dame. And we're dealing with this again with John Emery. Immensely talented. But man, like, Dawson, you hear Brian Kelly there? Does that sound positive to you? That No, it could have sounded better than that, certainly. <sighs> Does not sound positive. Not at all. But even without John Emery, this team is still a contender for the SEC West yet again. They're a contender to possibly win the SEC championship, and they're going to be top 10, top 15 preseason ranked team for sure. And we'll see if Brian Kelly can exceed the expectations in year year two. He did it so in year one. Can he do it again in year number two? We'll have to find out. Right now, we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company as we wrap up our number two next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day with Aaron Rodgers finally being traded to the New York Jets. By the way, not a bad deal for the Jets either. Like, like I, I thought for sure to get Aaron Rodgers, they were going to have to give up multiple first-round picks, and they didn't. They just swapped placement by two in this year's draft, and they had to give up a second-rounder and more than likely a first-rounder next year. Well, that first-rounder next year is a glorified second-round pick. Not a bad deal if the Jets, if you think Rodgers is the missing piece. I don't think he's the missing piece, but if you're the Jets, you feel like he's the missing piece because you've got all this young talent and you got all these nice pieces, foundation pieces, you think you're a quarterback away, a flaky, arrogant quarterback away, then maybe that's the game changer for you. But now that he's gone, who's the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? Right now, 42% of you say it's new. New Orleans Saints starting quarterback, Derek Carr. 29% say other. That could be Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. Some of you are bringing in Brock Purdy to the conversation. Eh, I need more than, you know, eight games. 18% of you say Dak Prescott, and 11% of you say Kirk Cousins. Plenty of salty comments so far. Did we decide who you think is the best quarterback not named Jalen Hurts in the NFC? We talked about the hierarchy of how like there's seven or eight guys we would take over any of these guys in yeah. the poll. Yeah, I don't have a clear answer for you. I really don't. You do like golf, though. And I, mean, I, I, like I like golf, golf as an too. option. I, I like well, golf as an option as well. The other thing, too, and I mean, it is the nature of it. The situations they're in, 
like impact my and I think golf's in a pretty good spot right now. I think the Lions have built something sustainable offensively. There's some other guys that I maybe would like the quarterback independent of the rest of it, but I just don't know if the rest of the pieces are going to fit into the puzzle. And so, and I think honestly, Derek Carr might fit into that mold. Like, I don't fully know if everything around him is set yet, but I think if you just ask me, like, separate of the teams they were on, Carr or Golf, I'd probably take Carr. Yeah. And that makes the NFC absolutely wide open. Even with Jalen Hurts back in Philly. I believe it's wide open, the NFC this year. Because you always have the Super Bowl hangover for a team that loses. The Cowboys, you know, always flounder in the playoffs. Tampa looks to be, I don't know what Tampa's doing with their offseason. I have no idea. So it sets up pretty well for the Saints. Now, does that mean that the NFC's good? No. But it is going to be wide open. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show two hours in the books one hour left coming up we'll kick it off with jim gazzola of the lake charles american press that's next right here on the game oh yeah oh yeah everything 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 gonna be all right this morning Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here in RP3 and company. We've had two excellent hours here on the show. We've talked NBA playoffs. Bucks on the brink of being eliminated by a team that lost its first play-in tournament game, the Miami Heat, as Jimmy Butler goes off for 56 points. The Lakers, meanwhile, have the Memphis Grizzlies on the brink of elimination as well as they're up three games to one after last night's overtime win. We discussed that. We discussed Aaron Rodgers' drama finally coming to an end as he is officially traded to the New York Jets. That leads us to our poll question of the day. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? It seems like all the best quarterbacks in the league are over in the AFC. Who's the best? Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Kirk Cousins? Is it Derek Carr or is it other? Maybe Jared Goff. He had a good year last year for Detroit. Go vote on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We also talked LSU baseball, Raging Cajuns baseball on today's show. But right now it's time for us to talk all things McNeese. With the man who covers the McNeese Cowboys better than anybody else in Lake Chuck and beyond. For the Lake Charles American Press, he's also the host of Poke Nation on television and the host of the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game Wednesday nights. That's our friend, Jimmy G from LC, Jim Gazzolo. Good morning, brother. How are you? Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, we'll see. (laughs) We'll, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see about your man, Justin Fields. I thought he turned a corner. I did think he turned a quarter, but but I, I need more. I need more. I need to see more. That's all. I just need to see more. Justin Fields. Justin Fields, he says. All right, let's get to the breaking news that you were on top of yesterday. 
you know, it was, it was a big day for Will Wade. He got a TCU transfer to come in, a guy that's got a lot of playing time in his career, previously at UT Arlington, where he was an all-Sun Belt selection, and then before then, a JUCO All-American for uh, two seasons there at Tyler Community College in Texas. They added him, but the bigger news is something that you were on top of and you broke first, is that it looks like Christian Shoemate, an all-Southland Conference performer, is taking his name out of the transfer portal and is going to come back and play for Will Wade. What can you tell us? Yeah, it looks like he'll do that today. Um, Will Wade has said he couldn't officially talk on it, but he said they've had conversations. Um, He comes back knowing that the crowd around him is better and that there's no starting position lined up. And he has to fight for every minute he gets. And that, I think, is, is a good thing. So Christian wanted to test the waters, obviously. Uh, you know, and, and Wade's coming in and he's rebuilding the program in his image. What does that mean for Christian? Uh, how does he fit into what Will Wade wants to do? Well, I don't, I don't think he's a perfect fit to a Will Wade system, but he can give you energy, minutes, uh, rebounds. Everybody, everybody knows how hard he hustles. Um, he'll be a garbage player for them, and I, I don't say that in a bad way. He'll pick up the loose change. Uh, he'll do a lot of little things underneath, and that's what we saw him do. It, it, it would have worked had he not had to be the focal point with with what was surrounding him last year. Um, so I think it's a fit, but I think it's a piece uh, of what is a bigger puzzle that's going to be completely different. He is bringing in a lot of athletic uh, players that is going to press um, and that is going to push the tempo. And I think uh, that's the key. I, I think the bigger key yesterday – Although the shoemate thing is interesting and, and deals with the second transfer and all the other NCAA rules about it, um, the bigger deal is getting Shahadi Wells because that gives him now two bona fide point guards that can play defense um, full 94 feet. The guys that he's brought in so far, Will Wade, it's been heavy on guards. Guards, 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 guards. But covering him, like I did when he was at LSU, he loves the guards, but he also has bigs. The guys that can do the dirty work, get those defensive rebounds, help set up the offense, get the transition going. He doesn't have that currently right now on the roster. Is he going to address that through the transfer portal? Is he going to address that by signing some high school kids, JUCO kids? How's he going to do it? I would would imagine he'd go JUCO or transfer portal. Uh, this is a transfer portal program now. I think everybody will agree with that. This is a let's get a quick fix to rebuild from above, not below. With that said, I think he's had, he had a big come in this weekend for a visit. Um, he has three scholarships open still. Uh, people forget Shoemate can rebound. That, that's one thing he can do. Now, he's not a power rebounder. He's a leaping rebounder. But he was, he had 9.7 rebounds a game. So they, he will take care of part of that. Um, but, yeah, he wants a big, especially to play defense, too. Because this is a league where guards go to the basket. And if you can't stop them at your guard spot, you better have somebody on the back line that can stop them and knock them down. Because that's what the league is. So I think that's what we're looking for is a 6'9 guy, 6'10 guy 
And I think there's a couple on the board. They just haven't signed him yet. Three spots still open, though. So break it down for me because he's the initial class was four Division One transfers and a JUCO kid. He's now added yes. the TCU transfer who was formerly at UT Arlington as well, and it was a JUCO guy as well out of Texas. And then he gets Christian Shoemate to come, mat, uh, come back. So I count seven. So yes. where, where, where are the other guys? The other three are returning. Roberts Verze, a 6'7 shooting forward. Um, he will be the only senior, I believe, right now on the team. Um, Trey English, who hurt his knee last year, a guard, is coming back. And uh, Dijon Thomas, the 6'7 freshman who made big strides at the end of the year uh, when, he had, when he was forced into playing, he is also back. So it's six new right now. Four returning, three open, two walk-ons that aren't scholarshiped. And that is confirmed, the three guys coming back, right? That's a done deal? Yes. Okay. Uh, that, that's, as of now, unless they were to enter the transfer portal tomorrow, they have told Will Wade they're coming back. They have been offered the scholarships. He has said they're coming back. So, I mean, you can always jump back into the portal like we see. But, yeah, as of right now, they are coming back. So they got three spots remaining. So what's the timeline here for Wade to get these guys in? I know it's a little bit different for basketball because you have more time, but I know Will likes to work on off-season things during the summer. Sometimes they like to take a trip. They like to scrimmage. They do all these other things. Yeah. So what's the timeline as it stands right now on April 25th for Wade to fill out the rest of his roster? I, I would think he wants to be done by the end of school and uh, know who's coming in for June for summer school. Um, that's that's what I've been told. He wants everybody here for summer school, if he can get them. So I think his time frame is the end of school, first week of uh, second week of May. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. He was the first on this about Christian Shoemate, the all-Southland Conference player for the Cowboys, deciding to take his name out of the NCAA transfer portal, and he is returning to the program that uh, that'll be made official later on today all right let's switch gears and go to the diamond got to see grant rogers in person with you on friday the kid is the real deal tall lanky got good command got good power as well with those pitches he didn't have his best stuff yet he still pitched a complete game shutout so <laughs> even on an off night he was still dominant and, and new orleans is a really good hitting team they did lead the uh, Southland Conference in home runs prior to that game. Now, they win that game. They drop the Saturday game, but they bounce back and found enough pitching to be able to win yet another series. Do they have enough guys to kind of piece it together here to be able to win the regular season championship and to be able to win the conference tournament? I don't know. Um, they really they do not have a, a – Staff that this is a staff by committee. After we get rid of Grant Rogers, we have seen Ty Abraham step up. We have seen Burrell Jones step up as big pieces and pitch well as starters. Jones is three and one. Abraham had the big game Sunday. Has had two nice starts in a row. The problem is those were the two biggest pieces they planned for the bullpen. So now you have flipped your script a bit. And they like to hold Abraham out on Friday in case he has to close Friday. 
he can give them one in five, they like to say. Um, one inning on Friday night to close the game and start the game on Sunday and give them five or six. He's done that two weekends. Counting on that in a tournament is a little different because you can't lose game two either. So they really do have to piece together and figure out, can they get somebody like a Christian Vega, who they got to save the other day, can he become kind of that closer guy? And then is Brett Bartholomew good enough to go in and be kind of the gap bridge guy to get you to the close? That hasn't been found yet or settled on. Let's talk a little bit about the Southland Conference standings because it sure does feel like everyone else is kind of falling back to McNeese while they ascend. They still have the best uh, overall uh, winning percentage of any team in the conference. They're, they have the most wins of any team in the conference at 26 and 13 overall, but they did drop some early series, which puts them right now in fourth place overall in the conference standings. But Northwestern yeah. State is just right above them. Uh, Incarnate Word dropped two straight games as well. They kind of fell out of first place. Nichols is in first place. Uh, everything is still in front of Justin Hill's squad, right? Yeah, because and they play both Northwestern State and Incarnate Word this weekend. Northwestern State the following weekend. So yeah, it is it is right there. The, the interesting thing is this team could end up being haunted by the trip at third that cost them the nickel series. And that would be wild because that one game or that one play where the winning run is coming home and he falls at third base in the ninth or tenth inning, uh, I forget which, and then they end up losing the next half inning. Um, that's all of a sudden a huge play in a season, and people forget about it. But they have won the last three series. Um, they go into Incarnate Word in pretty good shape. Uh, assuming they get tonight's game in and can get rid of all their uh, suspensions. Um, and then I, I, I think they'll take their chances, but it's, it's in front of them. It's for them to decide how they play. If they win the next three series, I think they may finish first or second, and that's kind of the bonus prize of the tournament. Jim, they have LSUA. This afternoon, that game got bumped up to 4 o'clock to try to get it in. Then it's at Incarnate Word this weekend, back at home for Lamar to start the month of May. Then they have that weird game against Nichols, which is a midweek game, but that game does not count in the conference standings, correct? So it's pretty much an irrelevant no, game. That's just a non-league game. That's a non-league game. Okay. Yeah. So we're looking at Justin Hill's team. It may be coming down to the final conference series of the year, which is at Northwestern State, a three-game set, and Natchitoches May the 12th through the 14th? I think it will. I think this legal. I don't think it will be decided even then because McNeese has its last, does not play the conference the last season or last weekend. That's their bye. Um, so they'll be playing Miami of Ohio at home when the league is being decided probably. By the so, way, Miami of Ohio is not in the Southland Conference, just to make sure we're clear for everyone. Unless it's the bowling. They could be in the bowling. You ever seen the Southland Conference bowling? No, and I, bowling. I, no I wasn't anticipating talking about Southland Conference bowling this morning either. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the national championship came down to two Southland Conference teams, Vanderbilt and Arkansas State. That's – I don't even know what to do with this information. Brother, what do you got lined up for the Meanies Coaches Show this week? 
We are hoping to get the offensive coordinator. We are still waiting to get confirmation, but the offensive coordinator, Adam Nussbauer, um, from McNeese Football to talk uh, spring workout, what happened, some quarterbacks, um, just about, and, and what his relationship with Gary Goff is he used to play for and uh, be on Gary Goff's staff at other places. So we'll get a look into what Gary Goff has planned, how much of the offense he's going to take over now. That's the hope. That's the hope. And, and Will Wade will be on the uh, Polk Nation. And and maybe you can squeeze in some Southland Conference bowling talk as well this week. Buddy, appreciate your time. Uh, well, Thank you. do that just for you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. Bien. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Oh, let's head out to the game. Hotline 337-706-0111. Bring on our guy, Darren, on the show. You must be a happy man today, brother. You got your guy. You kept the first round pick this year. You must be on cloud nine. Well, not so quite a sorta because kind of sorta. What you mean, kind of sorta? It, it took too long for it to happen. I, if it should have happened, it should have happened a few weeks ago. So I, I could have really been happy because, I mean, I, I don't. For me, thinking about it so long, I don't know how long Rogers is going to last. If, if he has a bad year. Will he retire next year? And will he retire a year after that? And then we'll be back to square one, like like we usually be with our quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know. If we should have go after Lamar, or we should have wait and see if one of the quarterbacks would have fallen our hand this but, year with the draft. But Darren, that was always the risk with Rodgers because he could decide on a random Tuesday during the season that he wants to retire. I mean, that that's just who he is. So I don't think getting him on April twenty fourth. It, it, it really impacts that all that much because the guy's kind of indifferent and flaky to begin with, right? So, I mean, look what he's done with the Packers for the last three years. So, yeah, he could maybe go one season. He could decide to retire and then unretire. You never do know with him. So, I get that. But, I mean, still, man, you, you got your quarterback. That's the guy that you wanted, and you kept your first-round pick this year. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm real happy about that. I'm, I'm real happy to see where this season is going to go, but I'm, I'm – Worried about the future. I mean, I'm thinking about San Francisco, too. I mean, what we would have given up to get Trey Lance. I mean, I know that's thinking backwards because that's the same draft class as Zach Wilson, but I'm trying to think about setting this up for the future. We always. But you're not built for the future. D, what option would you have had? You literally have drafted quarterbacks. Over and over, over again. And over and over. Young and over guys, and, over and none of them have worked out. Not a single one of them has worked out. 
But we, 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 we're, right now, we're built to win right now. And that—that's—that's that's why you went and traded for Aaron Rodgers, right? Right, right. and that, that's what this move is built for. But what, what I'm just worried about—well, we didn't really give up too too much. We got to keep our first round pick, who's probably could draft a lineman. You know, we're we're set on on the offensive and defensive line. We just need to probably get another wide receiver to add to uh, put some more weapons with him. We're probably set at running back. We need to probably add another tight end weapon. I mean, our defense is top notch. We probably got a top five defense in the NFL. Like, like I said, we're built to win right now. And I just hope Aaron Rodgers has his head in the right place. I don't know. I really don't know where his head is. Well, because it, it took so, so long for it to happen. Yeah, that's look. The, the length of time of it happening has nothing to do with it. That's just how he's built, man. It, it, I, you 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 should have felt that way even if this deal got done back in February. Like, now, I, now I, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How how, how would you feel if we were to get Lamar? I mean, look, you, you get a younger guy, but you had the injury concerns the last couple of years for Lamar. And it would have been you, cheaper. It would have been cheaper too. Yeah, I, maybe, but Rodgers does have more playoff experience, right? So. You do have someone that is a little bit more experienced and is more experienced at winning in the playoffs. But, I mean, look, you're talking about former league MVPs. I think you would have been good either way. Um, Baltimore, as I've always said, that they weren't going to let Lamar walk. They were going to make this as difficult as possible. And, you know, and the fact that he doesn't have representation hurts him in this regard because – while he's working out, while he's sleeping, while he's spending time with his family, the agent would be working behind the scenes with teams trying to negotiate things. And Lamar's trying to do that all by himself, and you just can't. You just can't. So that's why he's going to be in Baltimore. But I appreciate the phone yeah. call, brother. Enjoy your day, my friend. All right. You too. I'm surprised. I thought D would be happier. But my man is thinking – he's thinking about the future. Yeah. No, I mean, well – and maybe the maybe the maybe the Jets aren't. Maybe that's the problem. Well, um, no, they're not because they yeah, well they they, they they they've kept trying to build the future with a young quarterback year a, after every few years, and it hasn't worked. Yeah. So they're like, screw it. We can't develop a young quarterback. We can't seem to find one in the draft. Let's see. It was uh, you. You've had Zach Wilson, who's more focused on dating people's moms than he is working in the film room to get better. You had Sam Darnold, God bless him, uh, no, he's not the guy. What well, was the kid out of Penn State, Christian Hackenberg, that yes. they took in the second round, they thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback? Uh, all those guys didn't work out. Mark Sanchez didn't work out. You don't blame him for that, but but and I still think the foundation's there to where if it doesn't work out with Rodgers, there's an idea that you can still pivot from that. They have nice young pieces. Yes. They have foundation pieces on that team. They have a good defense. They have some nice weapons on offense that are young Right, and if Rodgers flakes out, which it could be. And look, Favre didn't work when they got him back in the day either. The, look, the New York Jets have been looking for a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath. That was in the 1970s, by the way. That, that, Joe Namath stopped playing for the Jets before I was born, and I'm an old, bald man. So it hasn't worked for the Jets. Will it work out? Will Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, has only been to one Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers... Is he going to be able to figure it out? Is he going to be the missing piece for them? I don't know. Probably not. Will he make them better? Sure. But 
Is he the missing piece? I don't know. Poll question of the day. Who's the best quarterback in the NFC not named Jalen Hurts? Right now, 43% of you say Derek Carr. 29% say other. 18% say Dak. 10% say Kirk Cousins. Robert on the Twitter says, based on the numbers, it's probably Cousins, but I do prefer Carr. Hart on Twitter says, while I agree, I don't have the utmost faith in Pete Carmichael or Dennis Allen after what they showed us last year or didn't. Derek Carr's potential is milestones further than Andy Dalton could ever been. Call me a glutton for punishment, but I have faith. JPK, the OD, says the Raiders suck, have always sucked, and will continue to suck. Carr will have a rebirth in NOLA. Hashtag ghosts of Al Davis. B-Rad says it's a log jam after Hurt, so I voted for others as well. Chico says Justin Fields, enough said. I like what I saw from Justin Fields last year. He took some steps, but I got to see more. Like he could have a true breakout year this year. And Dak Cajun says Derek Carr has two winning seasons. No way he can be even considered. Well, you know, he has the same amount of playoff success as Dak Prescott does. So I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Once again, we're not talking about the elite of the elite here in the NFC. We're talking about guys that are second-tier quarterbacks that are now considered the best quarterbacks in the NFC. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, Major League Baseball columnist reporter, joins us to talk all things MLB. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are what we like to call in the radio biz, efforting. That's always the good phrase. Efforting Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball columnist and reporter, to talk all things the show. But while we have a few minutes here, let's do a deeper dive here on the Aaron Rodgers situation. It's not a bad deal for the Jets. I thought for sure that they were going to have to give up multiple first-round picks. And the only thing they did was swap. That's all they did. And they swapped two spots. So, like, the Packers were to the point where they just wanted to get rid of Aaron Rodgers and all of his nonsense. And they're like, okay, you're only going to give us a first-round pick next year and a second-round pick this year, and we'll just swap first-rounders this year. Okay, fine, take them. Like, like think about it that way. The Packers have gotten to the point with dealing with Aaron Rodgers and all of his nonsense dealing with the team dealing with management that they were like we'll just swap placement in this year's draft in the first round by two spots and we'll give up a first round pick and we'll just get a first round pick in return next year which will essentially be a glorified round two pick because if the Jets are any good they'll be in the playoffs which means you're going to have a back of the first round pick anyway and we as we've talked about on this show the difference between the caliber of talent 
selected around 22-23 in the first round all the way until like 45 in the second round is pretty much on the same level. It's pretty much on the same level. So you're essentially giving up two second round picks to get Aaron Rodgers is what the Jets are doing in reality. That's what it is. That's what the Packers are going to get back. Now it's Jordan Love time in Green Bay. We have no idea what he can do or what he can't do for that matter. And the Jets get their guy. Now, will Aaron Rodgers be a difference maker? Maybe. But this is a good deal for the Jets, and I saw people in shock and awe yesterday about, oh, look, the Jets got fleeced. How did the Jets get fleeced? Explain it to me. They didn't have to give up their first-round pick this year. They simply swapped spots, which were two spots in the draft order. So they get their franchise quarterback, and they get to keep their first-round pick this year. They have to give up a second, and then they have to give up a first-round pick next year, which will essentially be a glorified second-round pick. How did they get fleeced? And, again, the other thing about this is we just don't have a great understanding of where the leverage was in the situation. Like, we just don't really know because Green Bay, for all intents and purposes, like, they wanted to trade him, but I don't know if they felt like they had to. I just don't know how they felt about it. So, in that and I don't know if the Jets knew that either, you know? And so, you could say, well, oh, the Jets had the leverage. They didn't have, you know, the Green Bay had to trade it. Well, no, they didn't have to trade him. And also, they didn't have to trade him to the Jets. So, they felt like they had to get it. And again, if, if they win an, NFC, an AFC title and or a Super Bowl, they will have th- thought it's worth it. If they don't, then maybe we can revisit it. But yeah, that first round pick, again, that's also a conditional first round pick. So if Rodgers, let's say, gets hurt or doesn't work out and Rodgers asks out, then it won't be a conditional first. It'll be, what, a second or whatever else it would be. It'd you be know? a second so, round. And yeah, if, if, it were, if it doesn't work out and you end up being, that's the, I guess that's the only situation where you'll look back and maybe have regrets if you're the Jets. If it doesn't work out, you're still bad and you lose the pick. That would be where, where Rodgers plays. And you still lose the pick. That's where it's it's. It, but again, that's True. the gamble you're willing to take. True, but you still have your other rookie quarterback on contract and a roster that's that doesn't feel like it's you know it feels like the floor is above being bad. I think Correct. they're going to be at least in the mix for the wild card. Correct. Now, I don't place the Jets in the driver's seat to win that division. That's still Buffalo's division. So that's the other part of that, right? You. You add Aaron Rodgers to be a wildcard team. That's what you're doing. Okay. But you'll have a shot against Buffalo. And I don't think they're going into it not thinking. I don't even think... I think the gap's closer between the Jets and Buffalo than it is, let's say, between Kansas City and Denver. Or Kansas City and the Chargers. But that division is kind of brutal. I mean, New England made the playoffs two years ago with a rookie quarterback. Last year, the Dolphins made the playoffs as a wild card. Buffalo won the division both years. And now the Jets seem to be really close. So it's not going to be easy. Yeah, the Jets may be fairly close on closing the gap, so to speak, with Buffalo. I still like Buffalo, though. But the other teams, you still have the hoodie in New England with a reset on how they're, how, how they're doing things purging some of those coaching staff uh, uh, staffers and kind of resetting things there in New England. 
Oh, and Miami has still got a ton of talent. They made the playoffs last year, so it's not going to be easy for the Jets. And to be fair, it's not going to be easy for anyone in the AFC. Once again, we talked about how top-loaded the conference is. Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know they're still going to be good, barring injury. Can the Chargers get out of their own way with Justin Herbert? They have all the pieces. They do. On both sides of the football, by the way. They just have to get out of their own way. Can they do that? I don't know. Like, I don't know if they can. But Chiefs, Chargers, you you expect Denver to be better with Sean Payton. You expect him to fix Russell Wilson or at least make him a competent quarterback again. Then you have Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. You, you, Lamar and Baltimore is always a factor if Lamar can stay healthy. Heck, they made the playoffs this year, even when he wasn't healthy. And then we already talked about the – and then what's happening in Tennessee? Is Tannehill still going to be there? We've seen Trevor Lawrence take a step at year two with the Jacksonville Jaguars with a new coach. The AFC is loaded, man. Absolutely loaded. So just like we said last year, Russell Wilson making the move over to Denver – not necessarily a slam dunk. Aaron Rodgers is going to make the Jets better. Are they going to be a Super Bowl team? No, they may not even win their own division. Because the AFC is absolutely stacked. Well, and that's another reason. And You just don't know what the other options were and if Green Bay was willing to deal within the conference and things like that. But if I was Aaron Rodgers, I just really would have rather play in the NFC. I really would have. And I know the Jets roster is pretty good and he maybe feels like it. Maybe that's not something he was concerned about, but... I would have I would have tried to take any option I had to play in the NFC because it just feels like you said we feel like it's so wide open and we just don't feel that way about the AFC like I just don't It's just loaded and the AFC's loaded and the NFC feels like it's wide open because we keep having all these guys go over and just the way they're built and you have to like the Saints chances and, and look this is not let me let me clarify this this is a team that nearly made the playoffs last year, and they were bad, mediocre for most of the season. The division got worse, not better. Tom Brady retired. Tampa's going to take a step back. Atlanta, are they going to go with Ritter? I, I guess. That's what it looks like. And the Falcons are doing a nice job of signing any former player that has ties to the New Orleans Saints. Well, okay. See how that works. Right? Carolina's in a full rebuild. So you like the Saints' chances to win the division, and then you look around the rest of the NFC. Philly should still be the kings of the NFC East, but Dallas will be in the mix even though they always flounder in the playoffs. Right? That's going to be, you know San Francisco is going to be competitive even though we don't know who's going to be their quarterback. So the 49ers will be good, the Eagles will be good, the Cowboys will probably be good, the Saints will be good. But the, all those teams pale in comparison to what's going to be coming out of the AFC. Just is. And they all have major question marks, except f- maybe Philly. But still, Philly has to replace a good portion of that roster. And yes. I guess Dallas has a few less questions than the rest. But like San Francisco has a huge revolving door at quarterback that we don't which, know how that's going to Which it feels up. that that's, it's been there since Shanahan's been there. Fair. Right? And so you figure they'll still be in the mix, but... It's not the team you you feel fully confident in. The Rams look 
to be lost. They look, they look like an XFL team on paper. So I, I don't know what they're doing. But you like San Francisco. You still think they're going to be competitive. Yeah, but all these teams have question marks, right? They just do. In Philly, the, the, the good thing for the Eagles, though, is they have picks. Right? And they got the Saints pick as well. So they're going to be able to fill some of those roster holes with rookies. Now, those rookies are going to have to pop. Right? They're going to have to make an impact. They're going to have to be the 2017 Saints draft class where everyone contributed, right? And everyone made that transition as a rookie right off the bat. You're going to have to do that, but it's just fascinating to me. Like, I get it as a competitor why Russell Wilson would go to the AFC, why Aaron Rodgers would go to the AFC, because you want to play in the conference with the best of the best and you want to prove that you're just as good or as better than Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow and all these young guns, right? If you're an older guy, an older cat, you want to be like, I'm just as good. Yeah, you're young and you're talented and you're coming, but I'm just as good. But on the same hand, like your path to just getting to the playoffs is immensely more difficult. And I know contracts are built where you get roster bonuses based on if you make it to the playoffs, how you perform in the playoffs. So... I get it. You want to be competitive, but on the same hand, ooh, man, I don't know, man. It's I, it's curious that these guys are wanting to bail and they're all about just leaving and going to the AFC, which is just dominated with young, great quarterbacks. They're all in the AFC. <laughs> they just are. They're all in the AFC. We'll try to get Bob Nightingale on another day in time. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll finalize the poll question of the day, and we'll wrap up today's show and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Me, oh, my crawfish pie. What a show we had today. Covered a lot of ground. Talked NBA playoffs. How the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, he's got that dog in him. 56 points. Just like, he's just like, that's fine. I've lost two of my guys that I've played with the injury in this series. I'm just going to take over. It's not a problem. Oh, Giannis, the best player in the game? Doesn't matter to me. Oh, you got a triple-double? Don't care. I'm going to score 56 points. The Miami Heat, who lost to the Atlanta Hawks in the play-in tournament and had to come out the loser's bracket to even get into the playoffs as the eight seed, are one win away from knocking off the team that was the betting line favorite to win the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's why you got to love the playoffs. Over on the West, the old man, that's what Dylan Brooks called him, right? He's old. That's what he said. He's old. Well... Memphis Grizzlies are getting schooled by the old man. 
as the Lakers win in overtime last night. They are now up three games to one on the two seed, the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies, who have embraced being the villains of the NBA this year, still haven't won anything. And they're getting really close to being eliminated early yet again. Also touched on Cajuns baseball, LSU baseball. Don't forget, both of those have midweek games on tap tonight. LSU versus Nichols. UL taking on Southern. So make sure to pay attention to those. McNeese is also in action. They're taking on LSUA at an earlier time at 4 o'clock this afternoon. We covered a lot of ground. How do you feel like you did today, bud? How do you feel about the show? Great. We trouble sh- trouble had some troubleshooting go on. Got the Worked interns in the house. They're learning real-world experience when things don't go according to plan. Yep. There they are. Showing them what radio really is about. <laughs> it's not it's not all smooth. It's not all smooth sailing. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast for joining us. Jim Gozzolo from the Lake Charles American Press as well. We'll try to get Bob Nightingale at a later date. Poll question of the day, final results. Now that Aaron Rodgers has been traded, obviously it feels like Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. But who's the best quarterback after him? Final results of that poll question. 46% of you say it's Derek Carr, New Orleans Saints, new starting quarterback. 28% of you say other. Lots of write-in votes. Brock Purdy, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, others. 17% of you say Dak Prescott. And 9% say Kirk Cousins, a.k.a. the new Tony Romo. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to all of you who voted, left your comments as well. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. That's going to do it for this edition of RP3 and Company. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. Make sure to tune in for that. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.